Welcome to the Pleasure Girls Podcast. I'm Chitra and joining me today is a dear friend of mine, Paula. Thank you for being here, Paula. Uh, thanks for inviting me. So let's start with how are you? I'm fine. I am very busy with so many things going on here. So um, with the COVID and quarantine life, you're still doing things outside? Um, well, I'm actually part of the um, Air Force National Guard here, which is basically um, it's the military, but I'm part of like a reserves. So I only like trained one week in a month and two weeks in the summer. And um, when there are national crises going on, we um, we serve within the country, but we also get deployed overseas whenever we're needed. So where are you now? Are you home or? Uh, so, yeah, I do live in the state of New York, and that's the state that I um my military training with mm-hmm. so right now that's what I'm doing I'm um I'm actually assisting with the COVID-19 um pandemic mission um so mm-hmm. I during the mission I've been doing a lot of things so initially where when we started we were helping with the schools distributing food because a lot of the schools closed down um, afterwards, they needed bilingual speakers. So I went to work at the calling centers um, and I took a lot of the Hispanic phone calls, um, you know, a lot of the Spanish speaking phone calls and um, they moved me up to the state level. So I was taking um, the COVID-19 hotline um, phone calls for this entire state of New York. And afterwards, they um, they put us in a new mission where we are basically helping with the antibody testing um, tests that um, they're in Westchester County, in New York. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've been pretty, pretty busy traveling all over the state of New York, um, helping with the mission. Yeah. But how's your family? Are you guys still, I mean, are the is the family still... At home, like yeah. where I, you used to be. Dad, um, my dad actually moved back to Ecuador, and my mom and my little brother are still living, um, mm. in New Jersey. However, mm. um, <clears throat> my mom and my brother went to visit my grandmother from my mom's side, uh, for her 80th birthday, and they actually got stuck in Ecuador when the whole shutdown happened a lot of the flights got canceled yeah it was really crazy I was I was actually kind of worried um because all their when they were over there overseas you know they're there for a joyous occasion and a birthday and then they got news that their flights were getting canceled and the Ecuador um closed down their borders and outside the country and even within their um, in their provinces so mm-hmm. people couldn't travel in between provinces and they got unfortunately stuck in the province where they couldn't get out um, but luckily they were able to get what is called a human humanitarian flight that the Americans were allowed to use and um, they were able to get one of those flights to fly back um, to New Jersey but it, it was a whirlwind um, because uh, they missed the first round of their flights and then they missed the first round of the humanitarian flights. Eventually, luckily for them, they were able to get onto, uh, I think, like a second humanitarian flight. So they're back in Jersey now. Um, okay. Yeah. So they're 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 safe and sound. Uh, no symptoms. They've been very very careful too. We live in the state of New York, where the epicenter was. Yeah. And even in even in the state of New York, we're such a big state that upstate New York. There's almost no cases and really? people already. Yeah. Yeah. Upstate New York, like um, Buffalo, yeah. um, close to, to Canada, there's almost n- no cases and people live so far away. Like I was I was up in Albany, which is like middle of the state, I would want to mm-hmm. say. And even there, people were they would wear masks, but they already live so far away from each other that, um, you know, they already 
have a socially distancing type of lifestyle. Right. Whereas now I live what is called Orange County and we're not too far. Uh, we're a little further away from the city, but we're we're about an hour and a half north of them. And um, you we already live kind of congested. And now imagine living in the city. You have families that live in a one or two bedroom apartment and it's like seven or ten people. So that's what what's making a lot of the spread in our congested multi um multi-generational families living in apartment buildings you know that's where the spread's coming that's why there's so many others popping up and for governor cuomo for new york had a lot of good strong leadership and has given us goals that we've met but in a national level we haven't had a clear leadership of how to go about this like clear goals we've had a lot of suggestions but not specific goals if if that makes any sense um um, a little background on how we met on like first impressions and you know just what we thought of each other oh god because i'm um i consider myself a different person already but I was so like coming from a place of hurt when I got there it was so different like I was so it was so freeing when I when I when I got there and I remember how how different I wanted to be um when I used to be in like high school and, and middle school of all of this like bullying and stuff. I, I really just wanted to get away with that and home issues. So when I got to Jersey, it was such a different, you know, it was overwhelming with all the freedom and all the new things that we're doing that I didn't really take it all in. Mm. I was just voting, but I'm glad that I've, I met people like you and a few of other friends that I've, um yeah yeah like lisa and and and, uh, yeah a lot of people i remember um thought that you were confident that's for sure and um you're pretty you were always like so put together together (laughs) and you're, you're probably the the kindest person that that was there and that that was dealing with it with me like living through it with me and um you just have this way of making people feel at home and included and like with your that's that's why I you know I think about your family a lot and um Mm -hmm. you just make people them more of themselves I think that's one of the most um oh man yeah yeah, you're bringing me back. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've definitely, I, I, I hope to the core, I'm still that person that you described. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've changed a lot. I can't say I'm, I'm exactly the same person, but um, to the core, I, I would want to say I'm kind, and I'm, I want to say I'm human, humanitarian. But, um, you know, when we met, I think we were between the ages of like. 17 till like 20 and yeah uh, yeah this year well I'm 24 I'm going to be 25 and you know that that's that's a major change and um unfortunately you you left right before I joined the military that's yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so um but I mean going back to your question of like how we met well we both went to Seton Hall University and we were both international um, relations and diplomacy students. Um, I I have so many different memories with you that I cannot necessarily pinpoint exactly the day and time that we met. But yeah, the yeah. early, I think the earliest memory was when we were having like that Seton Hall freshman day, and we all had to wear like those blue shirts, and they had like those tables. And I think I have a picture of it on my Instagram of oh, us. Yeah. And I think that's my earliest memory. I think you were hanging out with either like Lisa or Daja. 
I believe. Yeah. It was one of them. And they were already a mutual friend with, with um, me. And mm-hmm. we all just you sat at that table. I think that's my earliest memory that I can remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Because you were already, I mean, you were already, you started already, right? You started going to classes already. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm part, yeah, I'm, I was part of the EOP program. So mm-hmm. the EOP program, um, just a quick background, it's called the Educational Opportunity Program. And it's for students who are first generation um, students um, that come from lower income. Um, and um what else at you and I you know what's funny when we had the initial call before we hung up and you were laughing um I was like oh my god that's the cheap signature laugh uh that's that's her that's one thing that I always remember and yeah I I I I always I always felt like you were you were very mature for your age and I appreciated that because um I like being with people like that um, you were also very articulate, which I, I enjoyed because I like listening to people that can express themselves because it helps mm-hmm. me develop my ways of expressing. And and you were just cool. You were just cool. You were just so out there and you were like, oh, let's go to this Drake concert. Let's go volunteer for this. Let's do this. And I was like, yeah. well, I was like, how do you have the energy just to do all these things? <laughs> yeah. That's one of the most... Um often questions that, uh, at, that are asked to me, like being, being um, Asian, I, I mean, I grew up, I grew up abroad. So I, I've never had a problem with like um, being friends with people, like different religions, different cultures and stuff. But particularly in the States, when I went to, when, when we were there, all my friends were asking like, do you have any other Indonesian friends or like, what are the stereotypes of Asian um, students there so me going there I I already thought that people are gonna think that because you always you always used to call me nerd right and like I was so proud of that I was like because oh, I yeah, am a nerd that's, that's definitely a great thing yeah yeah I am a nerd but being Asian I always thought I always thought that I had to be a certain type of nerd you know because I went there without being like this high achieving or like you know, always perfect A's. So I I already thought that I had that place on me. But then when I met you guys, it was all gone. Like I could actually be myself. But then there were other clubs, right, in, in Seton Hall. Like there were clubs according to your race, for, yeah, for like, example. Oh, there wow. was a Filipino club, like Indian club. Yeah, and Latino. when I, right, yeah, when, when I saw that, and they were not as, I mean, the, I'm speaking for the Asian um, students. They were not as inclu- inclusive as us. Like our group was, there was a whole lot of. Yeah, you know, definitely. Right. So. Um, maybe yeah, like just naming cons- a few, for example, like Julia was Italian, Italian. Um, yeah. I was Hispanic. Michelle was, well, I'm Ecuadorian. Michelle's Peruvian. Um, Courtney was, <laughs> she says white, but like American, uh, Caucasian American, um, Dodger was African American, Lisa was Chinese. So it's like, yeah, then, you know, you brought the Asian sensation in there. <laughs> so, so yeah, we were, we were quite a different group, like a little bit out there. Not, not even what I think Seton Hall was used to. Because it was primarily a Caucasian school. Yeah. 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 And to me, that was my first cultural shock coming from a city in Elizabeth, New Jersey, that is primarily Hispanic. And I was like, the first time in my life, I felt like a minority going to Seton Hall. <clears throat> oh, okay. So you grew up in a predominantly Hispanic community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Predominantly Hispanic. Pre- dominantly mostly Colombian um but still you know like I I thought that's how all America was like there's your Hispanic cities and there's your Asian cities and I I saw nothing but Hispanic and African-American growing up and I thought that's how it was until I went to see University and I was like 
how did you feel going into Seton Hall that which is like a Catholic very it, it very conservative you know school yeah man like um you know what's funny because at the time I was I was just 17 turning 18 and it's not things that you really think about and I don't know if it's just a part of innocence and a part of like where you think you know like you don't think about these things you think everyone's inclusive everyone's um friendly and then you go it it was i i don't know how to describe it, but like a culture shock you know and um, as i spent my time there i realized like oh this this is what people talk about us being minorities because I think what was it maybe 10% was like Hispanic and yeah it was the other 10% was African American and there was like a 5% of everything else and every yeah. and then the majority was people of Caucasian background and yeah. um I wasn't angry but I I definitely was like a little lost so as a 17 year old 17 18 year old realizing this and yeah, I wasn't angry, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't comfortable. I think that's what it was. I wasn't comfortable because we grew up in a Hispanic culture of like, like being friendly and you hug everyone you meet and you invite them over and stuff like that. And meeting people more of the Caucasian community, I realized there wasn't that, there wasn't that like openness that um like come here or um let, let I'll treat you to to dinner or something like that they there was more of like hi we're classmates you know <laughs> like let's keep yeah, yeah very very reserved yeah very very reserved and and that that could have also played a part that we were in a catholic school even though there was many other like religions there there's a lot of muslims there was um, I, I met. So I remember I met someone that was Buddhist. But you know, yes, we we went to classes with monks. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Catholic monks. So, um, it and I'm Catholic. So you know, for my my mom especially, she was proud. She was like, yeah, she got to Seton Hall. She's gonna be with all these Catholic people, and she's gonna learn everything about um Catholicism. And if anything, it. I actually opened up to meeting people of more religions and I actually um, became really good friends with a lot of people that are Muslim. Um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I met, I even dated, dated a Muslim guy when, while I was there. And I, it, it's funny enough, I actually got closer to, like I said, other religions, especially the Muslim religion. And um, yeah. then I did it with Catholicism, but I think it's, you know, as a 17 year old, when, you're already a little rebellious but they throw things at your face you're like whoa like (laughs) don't tell me what to do or what to think let me be my own person I definitely had yeah I definitely had that at that time and in a way I'm glad I did you know because it kept me open-minded it occurred to me that because I grew up in the Philippines in a Catholic school the whole religious thing was it, it, it didn't bother me at all it bothered me more that my my parents wanted me to go to a Muslim middle school when I was uh, in middle school here. And just like your parents, like wanted me to really dive into the whole the um, religions and make me more. I don't somehow would change me in a way, mm-hmm. but um, it never it never it never did, and it never you know. Yeah, we're even re- though I was with you, yeah, <laughs> when I was with you guys, people were amazed that. Um, you know, I was drinking because there was this whole other community, Muslim community that were not even drinking, right? Yeah. And even though I eat pork, but you know, I I was drinking. I was you know all the substances, and they were all just um surprised this. But at, like right after you said it about the whole like they were reserved and conservative. I mean, being with a Caucasian roommate itself there was so so much tension created just because of the difference i never i never thought per se that there were disrespect or like um you know it was just such a difference in in how we embrace ourselves we were more 
hugging and like laughing and, and they were more yeah 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 so, how, so I, I definitely what I definitely got into, what made you got into um the army because so I was actually like I said I think you know looking back and I, I knew back then I didn't know what I wanted but I was kind of you know like the teenager that didn't like wanted to know everything and I didn't want to admit mm-hmm. not even to myself that I didn't know you know um so I was very very unhappy I guess at one point being at scene hall and the thing is the thing that gets to me and unfortunately I think I get this from my dad's side um the money it was such a expensive school um when yeah. we went it was I think like fifty thousand dollars a year and mm-hmm. now I think it right now with inflation and cost and everything, I believe it's somewhere in $65,000 a year to attend that school. It's, it's crazy mm-hmm. expensive. And I was so frustrated at how expensive it was. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel like you said, like outside of our group, um, I didn't feel yeah. part of that school. Um, yeah. I didn't, I didn't enjoy the way I was being taught. Um, I felt like for $50,000 a year, I feel like we, our professors should be a lot more hands-on. And I felt like, okay, I get it. It's college. They're not going to be, but I didn't, I didn't feel like I got joy of learning. Um, Uh I didn't feel like I was getting the help I wanted to, but at the same time, I don't, I think part of I I do put some part of the blame of the that I I wasn't looking to get help. I think what yeah. at the end of the day is like I was just so unhappy being there, and I felt like I was spending so much money. And to me, I made it that excuse. It's like it's too expensive. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. And hence, um, my cousin who just f- returned from Afghanistan, serving with the army, um got back and he actually t- started talking to me and he's like he's like dude join join the Na- national guard i was like what's the national guard he's like well he's like it's like the reserves but when you're f- work for the national guard you work directly for a state but you can also get deployed and he piqued my interest and i was like oh okay how does that work and everything like that and he, he kind of explained to me um, what it was. And he got me in contact with a someone he was working with right before he got out. He worked with a, with a recruiter. And um, that recruiter made me take the test. And I scored very well. Um, I scored somewhere, like, I think in the top 10 percentile. And they were like, wow, you're, you're a smart, <laughs> smart one. He's like, we don't get those often. Um, and, um, from there, my cousin guided me. He's like, listen, you're really smart, you know, like go for either Intel jobs or IT jobs. Don't let them make you like, there's nothing wrong with it, but he's like, don't go for a cook or like, uh, or like a fueler or something like that. Go for something, you know, that your brain like is, has the capacity to. So, um, mm-hmm. so I did, I did, I, I, I told him, I was like, listen, I want an Intel job. And if you, and if I don't get an Intel job, then I'm not going to enlist. You know, I was kind of like hardballing, but with recruiters uh, here, you have to do that. And especially if it's your first time, you kind of have like the ball in your court and you have to take that to advantage. And I got lucky and they were able to give me the job I wanted to. And honestly, when I left, um, when I enlisted and I joined, I, I was, I had the idea that the military now was going to pay for my schooling. But again, yeah, at this point, I think I'm like an 18 turning 19 year old. Um, it was June. So just a couple of, um, weeks before me turning 19 um and I was like okay yeah I'm gonna do this since I was 18 I didn't even need my parents signature at the time I was like a lot 
uh, I wasn't heavy. Um, I wasn't in great shape, but, you know, I was in decent shape where the boot camp would shape me up. So the process was not hard at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, just signing up, I was very proud. But I think I also was very relieved of, like, just having a excuse of leaving that school. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like... Did that had any, like, pressure on you? Because I know that a lot of, um, like, immigrant children or or even just like you know we were high we were high schoolers who didn't know what to do with our lives and the pressure of of college rather than sometimes like joining a family business or just taking care of other stuff because we know that a lot of jobs out there um nowadays don't exactly need uh a degree Mm -hmm. and like if you if you do other things it, it still it still counts, but mm-hmm. was that pressurized on you as well? Um, to join the military is that what you're asking? Joining the military and being uh, going to college in the first place, as in from a family standpoint. Yeah, so college. Well, to me, it, it was like I was pressured to go to school, but I wouldn't say too much for my parents. With my parents, okay. it was more like. Not to be mean, but I was kind of known to be the smarter one of my siblings. And mm-hmm. it was kind of like in their mind, like, oh, yeah, she's definitely going to college. Like, no doubt about it. Um, but they never, like, pressured me to go, you know. But it was there was that expectation, but without the pressure. Um, with, um, I felt more pressure from my, my, my high school, for sure. Um, and then... Um, and then your brother joined the military. Yeah. How was that? So it's funny because my brother actually, since the age of three, he wanted to be a pilot. And okay. um, as he got older, he realized like, oh, you can either go to college and be a pilot or you can join the military and they'll teach you to be a pilot. So he, I think around the age of 12, he he's the one that actually was like, I'm going to go be a pilot in the Air Force. Like that was his thing. Um, and um he actually stopped saying that maybe his senior year of high school because we 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 went to like this speaker financial financial speaker of like how to take care of your money and how to invest and stuff like that and he fell in love with investing and and stuff i went through with the whole college experience and actually falling into some deep depression with like not knowing and not being able to make my mind i i really encouraged him to take his time and not feel the pressure because he went to the same high school as I did not feel the pressure mm. of them telling him to go to college. And if you wanted to be a pilot, go active duty and be a pilot, like a full time, you know, apply. And I'm like, and if you want to be in the stock market, I'm like, then I was like, take your time. Like you don't need a degree for that, believe it or not. And I was like, yeah. take your time. I was like, do the reserves kind of um, the reserves is like at a federal level, but it's also you drill one weekend a month, two weeks in the summer. Mm-hmm. I was like, go do that. And I was like, and and I was like, and then make the money like and then use your 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 GI bill or your tuition assistance from the military and make and they pay for you to go to college and learn about stocks and investments and all that stuff. But I was like, but don't don't fall into this pressure of um, having to pay college out of your own pocket. So um, he did that. He did. He did. um, He did listen to me. And even the day he was going to sign his contract, he called me. No, his, his recruiter called me and he's like, listen, um, Steve, will not sign anything until I give you a call and inform you about everything. Um, and the recruiter confirmed that he, all the benefits and the, how long the contract is and the bonuses and stuff like that, that he gets. And I was like, I was like, Steve, that sounds great. And unfortunately he didn't get it like a pilots because it's like a, 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 a more lengthier process. And he kind yeah. of wanted to join right away. Right. Um, he actually, Enlisted at they 
Oh, wow. Hello. Hello. Um, yeah. what, what's been your highlight um, going into the military? So, you know, even even joining the military was kind of a challenge in a way. Um, it's, I guess, something that I'm still thinking about because when I initially joined, I was in the Army National Guard. And um, there was a point where I was also going to deploy. And um, I did end up deploying. And the reasons why is because there was a lot of a lot of politics i would say mm-hmm. even in the military you know and um i enjoyed i would say the initial the initiation like the the basic training that's 10 weeks and then i did an additional like 16 weeks or 18 i believe 18 weeks um learning my my trade my job which was intel Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed. I love that. I got. I got in such great shape. Like I had abs. I was like, yeah, boy, I got abs. But I think the highlight. Um, I met my boyfriend. Um, that I'm, I'm with right now. We're gonna go on four years now. We've been together for four years, and um, I, I left him for John. Do you remember John? Yeah, so um, no, 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 no. So the funny part is, I met my boyfriend the after all my training, and I went back to my unit. Mm-hmm. Um, him and I met, but I don't, I didn't recall meeting him because wow. in that time frame, I was dating John, and I was just like all about John, and you know, yeah, yeah. you're you're infatuated with that one person that you don't even realize other people are hitting on you, and yeah. um. So about another year and a half go by, and during this time frame, like I found out like th- that John cheated on me, and we were just having so many problems, and you know, and I I was going through like homelessness, and um, my parents separated, and all these mm-hmm. things were going on, and and I I just went through so much stuff, you know, and um, I I met up with my boyfriend one more, I mean, not my boyfriend at the time, but I ran into uh, Chris, Chris is his name, um, into Chris one, once again. And this time, you know, this, you know, five foot eight, white, blonde, blue eye guy, like catches my eye this time. Yeah. And um, I still remember like really clearly, um, I wasn't feeling well that day because we were doing a, uh, overnight shift for I think it was like 10 days at this point and I was barely eating I was barely sleeping I was very weak and I asked for help and I was like can somebody help me bring down these bags and Chris jumps up in the air and he comes and helps me and um, it, it was very um, nice to to see somebody that was wanting to help me and yeah. he basically hit it off like we we hit it off and um to this day i i don't think we've have gone more than like a day without talking to each other so and we're here four years now you know and i i completely ended it with um my ex-boyfriend john once i met chris because i was like i'm i was like i cannot risk having this potential future and still hang on to, you know, someone that hurt me and upset yeah. me numerous times. So um, I would say my highlight was meeting, it was definitely meeting my current boyfriend right now. Um, and one thing I want to say is my highlight of going to scene hall, even though we went through that stuff, I would say, even though it's a very, very expensive <laughs> price to pay, but I would pay it 10 times over was getting to meet um 
a lot of like you said a lot of our, our group of friends it it was yeah. such a great experience that all right sure I have to pay like six grand a semester for it but like I met some of the most wonderful people I met you I met um, Michelle I met this lady and to this day like I'm telling you it's like it's people that they're priceless for to me to me sometimes I consider them more than just even my friends they're more than even family to me like like yeah. uh, people I run to like when I was homeless like Michelle I stayed with her for like over a month you know um and and it, I mean and you know what and and it only happened because I went to Seton Hall there's no yeah. other reason it would have happened but it was because I went to Seton Hall so one thing I'm grateful to Seton Hall is because I met such wonderful people that are still in my life and one yeah. thing and a great thing to me about joining the army was meeting my boyfriend Christopher and um I actually got out of the army for a year um, and decided not to deploy, not because I didn't want to deploy. Um, I just had a very bad experience overall being in the military um, mm-hmm. with that with that unit. And I took a year off and I, I, I kind of, t- I want to say it, it was a year for me to figure out what I wanted to do. I think it's like the first time in my life, I think I was... I was like 22 turning 23 um like two years ago now and I went I just went to work I just wanted to work I just want to make some money yeah and within that year I realized I really did enjoy being in the military I just didn't like who I work with and um I I lived I moved in with my boyfriend and we actually live close to an air force national guard base. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I remember always in high school saying I wanted to join the air force. And I was like, and I'm like, okay, I'm not, I might not go active duty right now because, you know, I'm taking care of our house and our dog and the car. I was like, so I was like, let me go. And try and join the Air Force National Guard. And, you know, people like to poke jokes at me, be like, oh, you traded us, you you betrayed us, you went to the Air Force, you went, the Air Force gets treated nicer, they get better food, better uh, rooms. They're like, you left us for the ice cream or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Say what you want to say. But I've been in with the Air Force for a year now, and I I genuinely am much happier being in the Air Force and there's that culture of more commodity mm-hmm. um, and they're a little bit more laxed in military standards, but they're so close where they know they don't know you by your last name. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so great that one you you, you know, finally got to where you are mm-hmm. Um and then meeting your your current boyfriend because there was I was even though I was here because I, I just left I was part of that drama. Oh my god! No, not you. <laughs> it, it was horrible. I mean, because you were always the the place like w- like what you said about you going to Michelle and and meeting everyone. You were one of those for me. So I you know you were always the strong one in 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 the relationship when I was a mess and then. With all that drama, I was like, this is not, you know, this is not what I see for your future. So when I saw, because when I saw you were with your current boyfriend and now you're um, four years in and me with, remember we used, I, we we were once video chat when I was here and my boyfriend said hi. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm still with him and we're, we've been oh. living together for like years. Wow. We're, yeah. So I think. Just like you said, we were there for a reason. We met the people that we needed. And you were one of those people that I needed to just, like, break loose of um, all of this, like, pressure and tension and let me be myself. But then also, you know, we we met the people that we were supposed to meet. Because if I hadn't left, I hadn't met, I would would not have met my uh, current boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So it was, it's all just... um, the way it's supposed to be, I think. Like the, it's it, it was it's the journey, 
that it is it is okay so mm-hmm. i quickly wanted to end um this um talk with something that has been bothering me and probably the rest of the world in the news with like mm-hmm. the the racism and the mm-hmm. police brutality so i just wanted to ask you as a min- minority have you experienced mm-hmm. that um from other from other races so it's yes and no like i feel like i i i can say that for sure there is african americans get it worse and i can say as a hispanic woman i am much more lighter skin on the most hispanics so i don't believe i pass off as white but i do think to some people i might um because i've been i've been told that people think i was some type of european or i was you know like they didn't think i was like hispanic because in the winter i get pasty white (laughs) and um but for the most part i don't feel like i've gotten any direct racism but i do believe um I, i actually let me backtrack that i actually had a recent encounter um during the covid 19 um mission that i'm on i had to go up to albany and i actually had a i made an e, an eo report on this girl that was in the army and i had to work with she was a, a little higher ranking than me and um she she was smart she didn't call me any bad words like you know like a spick or a wet bag like she didn't she wasn't blatantly front forward racist with me Mm -hmm. but what i did notice is that we were in a group which primarily they were all caucasian and i was the only hispanic and there was only one other african-american gentleman and he was a very high ranking however we both were kind of excluded from the group working together and we both were kind of sent to do tasks by ourselves Mm -hmm. um however we were also working with homeland security and a lot of the people from homeland security were very nice they were they're helping us um they're talking to us they're very inclusive and so i didn't pay too much into mind of the other people not trying to mingle with us and um but this one um female from the army she starts telling me how much she hates the air force and I look her at her and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm prior service army. So there's no really big difference here. Your army, I'm prior service army. I just joined the air force now mm-hmm. because I wanted to. And she just starts picking at me. She starts sucking her teeth, rolling her eyes. And I was like, you know what? I'm not really here for this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then and before we go to lunch, she decides to blatantly say out loud and to me in front of captains that are there that are also white and say, I fucking hate the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And I, I look at her. I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, OK, I was like, I, I try to now. Like not really talk to her and kind of just process her behavior throughout the day. And she kind of repeats this throughout the day. Uh-huh. And then she starts saying things like, I'm a bitch. I know that. Like, uh-huh. not even to me, just out loud. Yeah. Either you either you love me or you hate me, but I'm going to be a bitch anyways. And I'm like, okay, what the hell? Is she trying to threaten us? Like, what is she trying to do? And this behavior kind of continued um, for four consecutive days. And it got progressively worse to the point that she no longer referred to me by my name, she referred to me as Tweedledee and one other Air Force gentleman as Tweedledum. And oh. she kind of, yeah. And the day just got worse, you know, to the point that a lieutenant noticed. And I, I brought this up through the chain of command. And and a lot of her chain of command, the captains were like, you know, she's just joking around, right? It's not a big deal. And I was like, no, this is definitely a big deal. And, um, 
And they, they allowed that behavior to happen. And then a lieutenant that was outside of this mission um, that I that I knew, she saw how frustrated I was. And she knew, like, that's not my kind of behavior. So she pulled me out of the situation. And um, we, they got the other Air Force guy who witnessed the, the stuff that was going on. And we wrote a report on her. And I don't know where what's the status of that report right now um when I find out I'll let you know but um yeah it was just constant harassing and bullying and you know things that you think is just happening in high school no they're happening in the military too and I think because I was a Hispanic b I was female and c I was a lower ranking than her she Mm -hmm. felt the ability that to to treat me the way she did yeah but because we have programs such as equal opportunities programs and we have places to report like sexual harassment or like not a safe workplace. And um, the sad part is um, when I tried to do it through the, 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 the chain of command in on their side, they definitely were trying to defend that action. Mm. And they actually, blame me that I was jumping chain of command I wasn't doing the proper procedures when all the time I had everything documented everything from yeah. phone calls to text messages to, to like witnesses and um and I had to go through a different chain of command which you're allowed when it comes to like um you know um segregation discrimination all that stuff and I I reported through them and they looked at me and they're like no this is definitely a case yeah. Whereas the other place was like, no, you're just kind of like complaining. There's no case here. And yeah, it's you. It's something I never thought I was going to see myself in. Yeah. And but I, I did. I did find myself. And luckily it wasn't worse. Mm. I, I but I do feel like if you don't speak up, if I if I haven't spoken up, um, you know, that person would still be in. Um, on the mission and probably bullying other people and hazing other people. Yeah. And, you know. So uh, there's but, discrimination um, between between branches as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's, the, but there's always like the playful one. Yeah. But you know, like, like there's like playful teasing or like, and then there's like, like straight up being disrespectful, bantering people. Like, yeah, that was that that was that case um to the point that i didn't want to be on the mission anymore um that was like me i think like a month and a half in and those four days of being with working with that person i wanted to leave you know and it was like going through it's hard it it really is sad it's hard and and even just dating my boyfriend right now it's like i've i've had to learn his culture which is he's a Caucasian he's he's white American and for example you know how we were talking about earlier how Hispanics were like we come and we hug you and we invite you to dinner and we feed you and and, yeah like that's us right that we embrace you that way whereas in like what I found out about the white American culture is they they don't hug you no yeah and and it's weird because when I first hugged my, I, I'm gonna call him my father-in-law, mm-hmm. it was it was the strangest thing that ever happened to that family. Like, oh my god, he got hugged. Why did she hug her? Yeah. Why did she hug him? It was it, it like it was like a family thing. Like they went for like a month. And it's funny because now like the dad actually just goes ahead and gives me a hug some sometimes without even like me going for a hug, but what they they show their care it they'll buy you like a little gift here or like in the COVID-19 they they brought us toilet paper you know Mm -hmm. the the mom the mom will randomly pick me up pick a dress for me or she'll find these little clutch bags and be like oh do you want one or she'll just give me gifts and that's their way of showing love and that they care about you and I didn't realize that and and for for them, to me, one small and silly example is, I don't know if in, how Indonesia is, but sometimes when we 
eat in a group, we kind of like pick at each other's plates without noticing. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> it's probably not going to happen after COVID, but yeah, but we in Ecuador, we do that a lot. Like we put all the food in the center and everybody just kind of goes at it. Yeah. Whereas like in, in the white American culture, they you have your dish, you eat your food, you do not touch anyone else's food. Yeah. Like it's frowned upon. And I used to do that to my boyfriend. And my boyfriend thought it was like a cute but rude thing I used to do. Mm-hmm. And I did it in front of his mom one time. And she was so upset. And she told him. And then my boyfriend had to explain, like, no, this is this is a cultural thing. This is a family cultural thing. Like, this is how we share and eat um, food sometimes. Yeah. Uh, living in the great state of New York, we were we are the biggest epicenter in the world, in the world, in just New York. Yeah. And we've been able to battle the COVID-19. And I think with the proper leadership, like we had with Governor Cuomo, yeah. Love him, hate him. He did a okay. great job. And just with someone like him, like I think we're going to be able to deal with with anything that comes our way. But it starts definitely with leadership listening to the people. And the people are making noise. And I'm not mad at them. I'm upset that businesses are being destroyed. I don't encourage the destruction. But I encourage the voice and people should listen. Because they're you know, people are screaming. They're yeah. hurting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's a, that's a <laughs> sad and on, but uh, yeah. thank you for joining um, our talk. And I hope that this is a beginning of, you know, we, we should we should catch up more often. Um, yeah. And, but I'm, I'm so happy that Uh, you're in this place right now and um i think i'm proud of us for for you know we we've we turned out we turned out good yeah i definitely want to hear more about you and what things are going i know i've been like ranting off about me today but i definitely want to catch up and see just like what you've been up to because what has chitra been up to Once again, I would like to thank Paula for our friend chat today. And this was just a, this discussion actually just came about a little something that I thought I could do to graze upon the issues that we've been seeing nonstop um, about the racism and the discrimination and the violence that has been happening. And it's truly devastating and saddening, but I encourage everyone to speak out and stand up for the rights of others and everyone that has a platform and has an outlet to speak up their minds and to speak up about the things that matter and in closing i would just like to say their names that makes it a fight for all of us and that truly truly black lives matter george floyd brianna taylor ahmad aubrey tamir rice trayvon martin oscar grant eric gardner philando castile samuel dubose sandra bland Walter Scott, Terrence Crutcher. Those are just amongst the few of the fight that we have to carry on. Black Lives Matter.